2013, back in the saddle. Woo! If you're a guest or you just happen to walk in our church, don't be afeard. All right, this is not normally how it is. Uh, I've been doing roundup days uh, for 27 years in all of the churches that I've pastored, and uh, now we can't stop doing it because if we stopped doing it, Brother Johnny would leave. <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it. But uh, thanks for coming today, man. Thanks for being a part of a Roundup Day 2013. Uh, you know, I love it. I love it too, man. Uh, my family uh, usually does not associate with me when I'm dressed like this, but uh, I do. I do cowboy action shooting, and I'm B Western. That is, I dress up like B Western characters and do my cowboy action shooting. Can you tell who I'm kind of trying to look like? Roy, yeah, some of you old people know Roy Rogers exactly. Roy Roger boots. These are these are the. Uh, his eagle, that's a real eagle from Roy Rogers, the same pattern, uh, Roy Rogers hat. This one is a custom made for Holy Smoke, Roy Rogers hat. I was at a shoot uh, not long ago, and uh, this old, old lady, she was an old lady, uh, she looked at me and she said, uh, uh, you're trying to look like Roy Rogers, but he was handsome. I wanted to jaw jack her, but I, I was, I was student. I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, uh, hey, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter five. Uh, we are the church of Jesus Christ and we are here to engage our world with the good news. Jesus is issuing an urgent call to on mission living in Matthew chapter five to engage our city and our world with his love. And as you're turning there, let me uh, add one thing to this. At the end of the service, we are going to give this book to each family, okay? doesn't matter if you're a member of our church or not. If you're here today, one representative of your family is going to come up here at the end of the service, kind of like we do on Mother's Day or Father's Day, and we're going to give you one of these books. And what I'm asking is that we, as families and as the church family, Read this book together. It's entitled, I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer. And really what I hope that happens as we read this is that we begin to understand what it means to be a member of a church that takes seriously the mission that Jesus has given to the church. And that is to engage our world, to live an on-mission life for Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus uses two very simple yet powerful images to drive this message home to us in Matthew chapter 5. Let me begin reading in verse 13. He said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. I want you to notice that these verses explain for us a few things. First of all, they explain who we are. 
Just who are we? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 13 that we are the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, he says that you are the light of the world. Now, this teaching of Jesus can be summed up, I think, in a simple word. It's the word impact. That's who we are. Salt impacts everything it touches. Light impacts everything it comes in contact with. Another word that we could use is influence. That's who we are. As the salt of the earth, we influence others. As the light of the world, we influence the darkness. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but I really believe there is a universal longing in the human spirit to make a difference. I really believe we have that in us. To make an impact, to be an influence, to know that our life has counted for something. About this time every year, people make a big deal about the death of Elvis Presley. Anybody remember? Okay, a couple of you do, all right? Uh, he died August the 16th, 1977, 36 years ago. At least I think he died. We don't know. How many of you, and I know I'm, I'm, really, I'm really cutting the congregation down here, but how many of you remember what you were doing when Elvis died? Anybody out there? The day Elvis died, anybody? Okay, a few of you do. I, I, I'll never forget what I, I was a high school student uh, working at Hester True Value Hardware Store uh, in the afternoons, and every afternoon about, oh, 3.30, uh, we, would, uh, we would go down the alley to a little hamburger shop that was just right down the alley from Hester True Value Hardware. We would drive through the little dairyette and get a, 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 what I'd always get is a Coke and an ice cream cone. I was skinny back then, and I could just eat them every day, you know. So uh, uh, that day, August 16, 1977, I drove through the Dariette, and when I picked up my ice cream and my Coke, uh, this little waitress—well, she wasn't little, but anyway, this 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 young girl was just bawling. I mean, she was boo-hoo, and tears were flowing down her face. And I said, "What's wrong?" <laughs> Elvis is dead," she said. That's Elvis is dead. That's West Texas talk. I didn't know if you picked it up. So anyway, that's where I was. Uh, yeah. Later on, when I went to seminary, I actually went to seminary with uh, Elvis Presley's half-brother, Rick Stanley. Rick and I spent a lot of time together, and he had all kinds of Elvis stories for us. I've read several articles about Elvis Presley, and, and I've come to find out that in spite of Elvis's enormous success, he was a very unhappy unfulfilled person. One article I read quoted his wife Priscilla by saying, Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose was in life. He thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to care for people, and that agonizing desire was always with him. And he knew that he wasn't fulfilling it. So he would just go on the stage so he wouldn't have to think about it. You know what? Elvis is like so many people today. They just don't know who they are. Well, friend, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you know who you are. He tells us who we are. You have a purpose for living. And Jesus explains to us clearly here in terms who we are as his followers. We are salt and we are light. 
Both salt and light impact everything they touch. Salt is not neutral. Light is not neutral. They make an impact. And that is who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Notice that Jesus said, you are the salt. You are the light. That's our identities as followers of Jesus. More accurately, what he is saying is this, you and only you are the salt. You and only you are the light. Jesus is saying, I have no other salt and I have no other light. Tag, you're it. And the you is probably better translated, y'all. That's some pretty good roundup day talk, isn't it? Because the you is plural, meaning that this is not just your individual identity as a Christ follower, but it is our corporate identity as the church of Jesus Christ. We are the salt. We are the light. And Jesus said that. You, church, you're the salt of the earth. You, church, you are the light of the world. Jesus means for His church to engage the world in which they live. But here's the problem. A whole lot of believers today have retreated into a safe church entity. I made that word up. Christianity, but it's the church. We, we've retreated into this church entity where the extent of our Christian life is lived out in the church. The only place we're acting like believers is in the church. When we get out of our car and walk into the building, we pull out our spiritual lights. We dig out our little bag of salt. And it's in here that we act like Christians. And then when the service is over, we get back in the car and we put the light in our pocket and the salt in our pocket. Jesus said, no, that's not the way it is. That is not who we are as Christ followers. We are salt. We are light. We are to make an impact out there. Hmm. Well, he goes on to talk about what we do. Not just who we are, but what we do. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus really doesn't tell us exactly what he means when he says that we are to be the salt of the earth. However, historians tell us that salt was a very important and valuable part of everyday life in the ancient world. It was used for a number of different purposes. For example, soldiers would often be paid with bags of salt that they could then go and trade things for. And if, if a, a soldier wasn't a very good soldier, it might be said that he wasn't worth his salt. Yeah. That's where the expression came from. Salt was exchanged as a sign of friendship. Let's say Jason right here and I, we decided to become friends. Well, I'd give him a little bit of salt. He'd give me salt. We'd shake hands. We'd be buddies. Dinner time. It was also used as, as a seal for a covenant. Sometimes salt was used in, in wounds to kill the germs. And then more familiar to us today, salt was used just for a season to add flavoring to food. But the main thing that Jesus probably had in mind was the value of salt in preserving food, and in particular, meat. They didn't have refrigerators or freezers back then, and so meat was preserved 
when they covered it in salt. Salt penetrates the meat and it impacts the meat by delaying the process of decay. It slows down the decay of the meat. You know what? The point that Jesus is making here is this. As believers, that's what we do. We are called to stop the decay. There is moral and spiritual decay in our world. And Jesus wants to stop or at least halt or slow down the decay with the salt of the believer's lives. You see, in just about every way you can imagine, the morality in our land is decaying. And so what Jesus does is start shaking us out a little bit. He shakes out of His salt shaker our lives. We are to live such holy and pure and godly lives, loving people around us, that we halt the decay in our world, that we slow down the process of decay. I guess the big question is, are are we going to live as a preserving influence in our culture? Or are we going to allow our world and our culture to continue to deteriorate? Here's the deal. If salt stays in the salt shaker, if it doesn't make contact with the meat, it can't do its work. To have an impact, the salt must make contact. And the point for us here today is simply this. If, if, if we just come to church and, and stayed, stay grouped up in our little holy huddles here, and the only thing about Christianity we know and do is right here inside of the church, we're not doing our job. Our job is out there in the world. God wants to use us to make an impact, to be an influence in a world that is decaying. And in that, we need to be faithful to Jesus. There's decay in our world. And Jesus wants to stop the decay with the salt of believers. But there's also darkness in our world. And Jesus means to confront the darkness with the light of believers. So we confront the darkness. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Salt penetrates to preserve. Light penetrates to illuminate. We all know that. We get up in the middle of the night. The house is dark. We start tripping over things until we flip on the switch. The light comes on and what happens? The darkness is dispelled. Everything becomes light. That's what God did when He sent His Son, Jesus, into this world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, light shows people the way. And we do that with our life. But there's more to it than just being a good example. Jesus did not come to this earth and just walk around and be an example by the things He did. He also opened His mouth and He spoke truth. He spoke the light. And we are called to do the exact same thing. We are to bring light into a dark world. We live an example. We live a godly life. We live a pure life. A holy life. 
We bring light into the room, the light of Jesus. But we also have to open our mouths to speak truth. Sometimes that's difficult because our world doesn't want to hear the truth. So sometimes in Christian love, we have to do the hard thing and we have to speak what is right. And by doing that, we are the light. But we also do it in other ways. We are the first ones to encourage someone who's down. We are the first ones to stop the gossip that bites at the reputation of others. We as the light go the extra mile, don't we? We turn the other cheek. We do the unexpected. We are the ones who are truly concerned about the homeless and the hungry, so much so that we do something about it. We are the light of the world. And here's the deal. Our workplace can be different simply because we work there and we're the light. Our schools can be different. You know why? Because we go to school there and we bring the light with us. Our neighborhoods can be different. Why? Because we live there. Our cities can be different because we are engaged there and we are shining the light of Jesus Christ. Now let me, let me just tell you, when you do this, when you become the salt of the earth and when you shine as the light of the world, the world is not going to like you. In fact, the world is going to hate you. They may call us haters, but we will show them the difference as we serve the hurting of every kind and tell them about the one, Jesus Christ, who can heal the hurt of the human heart. They may call us narrow-minded, but we will show them the wide love of Jesus Christ with unconditional love and in proclaiming the good news that God loves this world. That's what Jesus had in mind when He talks about what we do. <laughs> we stop the decay and we confront the darkness. But you know what? He also goes on to tell us what we don't do. Very quickly, what we don't do. First, we don't let our salt lose its saltiness. Verse 13, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. In ancient times, sometimes salt was contaminated with other minerals that gave it a bad taste and, and you wouldn't want to use it. If that happened and you ended up with a bag of bad salt in your house, it wasn't good for anything. In fact, the only thing you could do is go out the front door and pitch it out the front door and then use it to walk on. In fact, Jesus said it is no longer good for anything. You know what? Jesus wasn't talking about salt. He's talking about us. He's talking about believers. What a sad indictment against believers and a church that is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. That's, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? In fact, it's like Jesus is calling us out, man. <laughs> if you've lost your saltiness, he's saying, you're not good for anything. You see, salt has to stay salty. If it's good for something, many believers in churches have lost 
their saltiness. They're living such ungodly and such compromised lives that there's nothing different about the way they live or the way they talk than the rest of the world. And if we lose our saltiness, we may still be out there making contact, but I'm telling you, we're not going to make an impact. A little video of a preacher calling out people in the church. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to show you this video. It'll blow your mind. Preacher calling out people. My pastor used to do that when I was a kid. He'd call people out by name. I may start doing that. <laughs> About the time I'm ready to resign, I'm going to do that. I'm going to call you, call you in. Honestly, Jesus is calling us out, folks. If we've lost our saltiness, he's going to, he says, you're not, you're not doing the business I've called you to do. So don't let our salt lose its saltiness. Secondly, we must not hide our light. Verse 14, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, back in, in Palestine, they built houses on the side of hills or up on top of hills. And, and at night when everybody would light a candle so they could see in their house, it would just kind of glow. Reminds me of West Texas. No, no, there's no hills. There's, there's, there's no mountains. Everything's just as flat as it can be. But there's no trees to block your view. Just open skies. About 15, 20 miles out of Midland, you come in, you can see the tall city all lit up. It's beautiful. Give me a minute. <laughs> Jesus wasn't talking about Midland, but he's saying a city on a hill can't, it can't be hidden. Then he goes on to say in verse 15, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. It's just common stuff. It's, it's nighttime. You're in the ancient world. You can't see in your little house. So what do you do? You light a candle. Now how ridiculous would it be for the person who lights the candle? Maybe it's the mama. She's getting ready. To, the, the kid's ready for bed. She lights this candle and immediately she takes this basket and puts it over the candle. That's stupid. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to use the word stupid up here. That's crazy. It's restricting the light. Now the light is just shining right down. It's a spotlight right down. there. You can't see the room like that. No, you don't put a basket over the lamp. You put it up on a stand. So the whole house can be lit up. You know what Jesus is saying here is don't hide the light. Specifically, you, Christian, don't hide your light. What is your light? Jesus said, I am the light. You don't hide the light of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed to live for Jesus and to speak for Jesus wherever you are. A hidden light is a useless lie. A hidden witness is a useless witness. Jesus said it is no longer good for anything. So, you are salt. Let me put it in roundup day terms. Is your salt good for something or good for nothing? You are light. 
Is your light shining or is it covered up? Are you good for something? Are you good for nothing? Now, most importantly, Jesus explains, and I'm almost finished here, but he explains why we do what we do. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. To see good works by us is to see Jesus Christ in us. That's the whole point of this verse. By the way we live our life, by the works that we do and by the words that we say, we are letting our light shine. And the world is going to notice there's something different about that person. They have something I don't have. And I want it. So what do we do? We point them to the light. We point them to Jesus Christ. But basically what, what this is all about, this whole thing is about, basically what Jesus is calling us out to do is to be the real deal. Just be the real deal. Jason said something about it. Uh, Revelator, who is Russ. Palestine Pete, who is Brother Johnny. John Graywolf, who is Don Champ. And Cowpoke, who is Keenan Polk. We all went to the territory a few days ago. It's Oklahoma. <laughs> territory. We were there for the Oklahoma State Cowboy Shooting Championship. It's a pretty big deal. State Cowboy Championship. By the way, Cowpoke won the whole thing. The whole thing. Give him a hand. That was quite an accomplishment. Proud of you, Cowpoke. Man, he is, he is so fast. I mean, he, don't mess with Cowpoke. Anyway, we were there. We, we got there and uh, went out to the range, which is Zinc Ranch on the other side of, uh, of uh, Sand Springs. Shot, came back that, that evening to our motel room, which is in Sand Springs, Hampton Inn. We got out of the, 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 the vehicle and I was in front of these guys and, and I was dressed in my cowboy shoot and stuff. Not quite as fancy as I am today. This is, this is the banquet look right here. It's, this is what you wear when you go up and get your prize right here. I was, I was wearing my shooting clothes, which is still B Western stuff, but it's cowboy stuff. These, you know, anyway. So I'm, I'm walking up there to the hotel room, big door, and there's a lady standing there at the entrance smoking a cigarette. Guy's standing there. Guy's standing there. Thanks, Jason, for the input. I like it. I walked by her, and I don't know, when you're, when you're dressed up in this stuff and doing this stuff, you just, I said, howdy, ma'am. I mean, it just kind of comes, howdy, ma'am, you know. Here's what she said after I walked by. Now there's the real deal. <laughs> Didn't she? There's the real deal. What she meant, I think, I think what she meant by that, I think what she meant 
Now that's a real cowboy right there. That's, that's a cowboy that just came in off the range right there. That's a... No, I'm not! I'm not! I'm a fake cowboy. I am a pretend cowboy. I'm a wannabe cowboy. I I know. I you know, I shoot cowboy guns and I do all that and I have all these outfits and I dress up, but I'm not a real cowboy. Angie says, Thank you, Lord. I know some real cowboys. I got a good friend, Jeff Cates, who started the Free Will Baptist Mission Church in Canyon, Texas. It is a cowboy church. Started as a cowboy church. The only cowboy church Free Will Baptist have. Brother Cates is a real cowboy. He's the real deal, man. I'm not. I faked her out. I got to thinking about that. The only other time that I know of anybody said anything like that about me is when I was in college, going to Hillsdale. A group of us went to Farmington, Missouri to, uh, to do a service. I stayed in the home of, the, of one of the deacons who was kind of the main guy in the church and had a good visit with this old guy and, and stayed up late talking church and doctrine and theology with him. And, and when we were getting ready to leave, this old deacon got Dale Norid, who was, who was the guy, the, the, the staff member from Hillsdale taking us on this trip. He pulled Dale Norid aside and he said, Dale, I want to tell you one thing about that Will Harmon. And Dale was freaking out. He says, oh, no, Lord, what did Will do now? <laughs> he said, he's the real deal. said that about me. I'll take that one. Because that's what I want to be. I want to be salt. And I want to be light. And I want to make an impact. And I want to be an influence. And I not only want that for myself, I want it for you. I want it for this church. Because that's what God has called us to be. We're not a country club. We don't exist just to have fun and show up and do these little things. No, we are here to make a difference. We are called to have an impact. And we must be an influence. Dear Jesus, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, each one of us individually, and then corporately, Lord, as the church. And I pray that we would use this time, right now, this time, to come and recommit our all to you. Lord, if there's something in our life that has uh, dimmed the light or if our salt has become contaminated, I pray, dear Lord, that we would come and receive a purging from You. Dear Lord, brighten our light. Purify our salt. And dear Lord, would we come today and just commit our church to be used by You to make a difference in this world?